When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This trip has been absolutely transformative for each and every one of us and also for us as a family collectively. It has given us the space to really think about how we want to live, how we want our kids to live, how we want to work, and how we want to be in the world, just in general. It's just the kind of perspective that is hard to gain when you're mired in the mainstream and just working all the hours that we are used to working and just the busyness that we're constantly a part of. And so this has been such a gift. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. On this episode, we're talking to the Gambles, a family that, as the country entered an extended lockdown for the coronavirus pandemic in 2020, decided to hit the road, selling their home in Charlottesville, Virginia, and spending the year living out of their RV. My name is Yana and my husband is Grant. And we sold our home in last fall, in October of 2020, and hit the road on Halloween. And we've been traveling the country for the last seven months. We spent three months in Mexico over the winter. And now we're in Washington state and we're actually transitioning onto a boat in Tahiti, which will be sailing through French Polynesia and the South Pacific all the way to Australia over the next four months or so. And we are bringing our two teenagers, Jack, who's 16, and Stella, who is 15, with us. So a new adventure is coming for us. Tell us how the idea of packing up the family and going on the road came about. How long did it take to make that decision? And then how long did it take to plan? The decision was made pretty quickly. We were in the midst of COVID like everybody else. And everybody was struggling with privation, with the solitude, if you will. It was really hard on Jack and Ellie being out of school. And as we watched that decline in all of us, Yana suggested one day we're paddling on the reservoir and she said, why don't we sell the house, get an RV and pack up and go. And that was probably three months before we did. So from the point of the conception of the idea to the point of us leaving was probably three months. That is a very quick execution. People can't even sell their house in three months, let alone have an idea sell the house, and then be on the road. That is some extreme and incredible favor on you guys' behalf. You kind of alluded to, you know, Stella and Jack having a hard time with everything going on with the pandemic, especially being pulled out of school and being away from their friends. But was it hard to convince the kids to hit the road? Not at all. Not at all. They have traveled their whole lives extensively. We've lived overseas before we spent four years in Australia and my family's from Europe. And so we've done lots of traveling since they were babies, actually. So they love to travel and they have a pretty good perspective on themselves. And they had a pretty good perspective on where they were at in terms of their 
situation and COVID and all the limitations and the negative effects it was having on everyone. And after a short sort of deliberation and we discussed all the logistics and different scenarios and the pros and the cons, it was pretty clear that it was the right decision for us at that given time. So it was a really quick, a very smooth and seamless process. And it was as though it was meant to be because we really never ran into any kind of obstacles. We sold our home ourselves with no real estate agent in two weeks. We got Thelma, it was the first bus we looked at and she was just perfect. And Louise was already with us. So it was kind of a perfect match and we were ready to hit the road really quickly. So no hard convincing for anybody it was just very smooth and quick. Yeah, so Thelma was our, was our RV and Louise was our Jeep, which became our tow vehicle. So for people and families that have children and, and want to hit the road, two of the biggest questions that come up are financial and school. So how do you make it work with money and school for your family while being on the road? Uh, maybe I'll take the financial one. I'll let Yana cover the school one. From a financial sense, obviously, selling a home gave us some equity, but we didn't want to burn through that. Both Yana and I were working remotely already. She's a marketing and branding consultant, and I'm a business consultant. We often work together on projects, but we also have our own clients. So we were able to maintain some clients through the transition and while on the road. So that was a good opportunity to continue to bring some income in. So from a financial sense, we've stayed pretty stable through the whole process. We bought Thelma well and did a lot of work on it ourselves. We spent two months refurbing her. And so when we ultimately sold her, we did okay in all of that. And the same with, with Louise. So the financial pieces worked out pretty well. It, it seems again like it was sort of serendipitous that everything sort of flowed nicely. On the school side, I'll let Yana speak to that. She's more the expert on that one. School's a tough one, especially now that school in person is going to be back next year. The only reason we were able to do this now is because our kids were both doing school remotely and we're not homeschoolers. Grant and I don't have enough time because we do work to undertake that. So really COVID gave us the opportunity to do this because the kids just could continue to do school remotely from wherever we were at the moment. They're getting up at 6 a.m. Their school starts at 6 a.m. because they're on East Coast time and we're on the West Coast. So, you know, that can be a little challenging, but they've risen up to the challenge. And to be honest with you, the remote school has been challenging, I think, for our kids and for many kids in general, is what I'm hearing from other parents. It's a really difficult situation for teenagers or any kids really to be doing school in front of their computer all day long. I think the school has been not as engaging and it's sort of a thing to get out of the way in the morning and then to do the real learning, I would say, has really happened through our experiences on the road, which is kids really learn best through experience. And we can attest to that. I mean, these kids have grown so much over the last seven months. It's, it's unbelievable. I can't even put it into words. The growth effect that travel has on kids and on adults as well. But for teenagers to have that kind of an opportunity is an invaluable experience. Yeah. And I think another thing that evolved, and we had no sense of this being the case, but just living at close quarters like that, you're washing up, you're going grocery shopping, you're cleaning, you're doing all these things that you would normally do in your house. And people are in their bedrooms or in the basement or in another part of the house and they don't see a lot of the goings on. So 
all of what we did, each one of us, all four of us, became much more transparent to each other. So it's sort of like moving back in time almost to when people would live in one room, in a little cottage, (laughs) to be in this tiny space and on top of each other required a lot of patience, a lot of understanding, but it created a lot of transparency that I think improved our relationships and our appreciation of each other. I think that was like a huge shift for all of us and and particularly for Jack and Ellie, because like you say, they're teenagers and, and they're still going through that experience of learning about life. Indeed, indeed. Tell us about the other star of this show. (laughs) Tell us about your RV, Thelma. If you can talk us through a tour around Thelma and what makes her unique. Thelma was a 40-foot RV and she was well-worn. She traveled around the country with a pair of gospel singers, older folk who were singing in churches. And uh, so when we got her, you know, there's a lot of deferred maintenance and you know, she looked very beige. She looked very 2002. Very uh, so <laughs> Yana and Ellie got together and they completely redecorated her, reupholstered, put a lot of color and flair into her. And then Jack and I worked on the chassis on the electrical and water and we prepped her for the road. But if you think about it, it's probably about 600 square feet, something like that, that you're living in. There was two bunk beds. So if you walk through in the front door, walk up the steps, you got sort of the driver's console and then to the right we had a slide a big 16 foot slide and it would literally slide out when we were in a camping area and jack and ellie had their bunks in there so they'd often say they were touching toes which is pretty true but i added usbs and charging ports and everything those spaces so a little more functional and they had curtains that they'd pull across uh, Jack sort of created his own cave and they had little mobile desks that they would pull up to their bed so they'd sit on their bed and work at the mobile desk. So it was pretty compact. And then we had a kitchen uh, sink and all the normal stove and microwave convection oven. The bathroom was small. It was a separate toilet and shower and basin. And that was probably the pinch point for us with four people using the restroom, wanted to have a shower. And behind that was the master suite, like the bedroom where Yana and I slept. So you sort of blocked that off or you blocked the front off as soon as somebody was in the shower. So that was definitely the pinch point. So we're excited about the boat because it has two heads, two wings, if you will. It's a catamaran and that might take away a lot of that pressure. But the Thelma was compact, but truly having moved out of a very large home with a guest house, a pool and all that sort of stuff, we weren't missing anything on board. But it's also reframed our idea of how we want to live actually in the future. We did have a large home and that took a lot. And this experience has really shown us how little we need. You know, I grew up in Europe where people in cities don't own homes. They live in apartments and they're quite small. And that's how we grew up. And this experience kind of brought me back to that. And it was wonderful. It felt so liberating not to have all that stuff and not to have all that space to maintain and to stress about. It's really incredible when you can clean your house in 20 minutes. And just the freedom of, you know, there's stuff everywhere. It's gonna be there because all of it is being used. All that space is being used. All those things are being used on a regular basis. There's just so much less stress. And it's really redefined for me personally how I want to go forward and how I want to live and what our next home may look like. So it's certainly not going to be the large McMansion with the pool and the guest house. We're not going back there. So you've been on the road since October. 
Tell us about your favorite destination so far. You know, we've talked about this a lot, and I think we share one particular destination. We tried to chase the sun a little bit, so we headed south for the winter, and we went through Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. And at some point, again, Yana said, what about the Baja? Pop down there because there was some big winter storms coming through, and we were seeing snow in Arizona and places where, you know, we thought it'd be a little warmer. And... Uh, so we headed down to the very bottom of the Baja to a place called Los Barriles. It's sort of north of Cabo and it was amazing. We spent almost three months there. We liked it so much. So that was, I think, collectively our best experience. We loved Tlingua. Yeah, Tlingua, Texas. That's near Big Bend mm-hmm. National Park. It's like a wild west town with no Starbucks, no big hotels, lots of dirt roads. And there's a ghost town. It's very cool. And then we've also gotten a chance to see, after we came back up from Mexico, we've spent the last couple of months touring through a bunch of the big national parks in Utah. Well, we went to the Grand Canyon and we saw Bryce and Zion and Glacier Glacier and Yellowstone. Nature is definitely something that we enjoy very, very much. We love being outside and to see these natural marvels. I mean, absolutely jaw-dropping. Every one of those places is jaw-dropping in its own way. That's been an incredible experience as well. We're very grateful for that. Going on an extended road trip is pretty much the opposite of what people are being asked to do during the pandemic. Tell us how you're able to keep safe while on the road. I might get to add to this, but from my perspective, we very much limited our interactions. We wore masks the entire time when we were outside in any public spaces. What we really focused on was, again, limiting those contact points. And to be honest, in our travels, I doubt we had any more contact than we would have had back at home, going to the grocery store or going to the gas station or whatever. And because we were outdoors, a lot of places we went were very sparse. So there just wasn't a lot of people and that was good in and of itself. The other thing we managed to do, we watched the COVID numbers and saw what areas were spiking and what areas were low in COVID exposures. And we actually followed that a little where we could, where we go to a place where it was very low risk. So we very mindfully went about being cautious, but we also felt if we were in the RV or we were in a national park or we were out on the water on our paddle boards or whatever we were doing, there was no additional risk in doing those activities over sitting at home staring at the wall. It's a great question and we were very thoughtful about it in terms of not putting ourselves at risk. Do you have anything to add, Josh? Yeah, no, that's really it. We didn't go eat indoors. We avoided restaurants or public places or tourist traps and all of that. So we were really very, very, very careful. And like Grant said, our exposure was probably equal to had we been at home because all we did was go to grocery stores and the campgrounds, there's really no contact. So it was really safe. That's amazing. Since you've been on the road and now you'll be on on the seas, Have you gotten used to the nomad life? What have you learned about yourselves while on the road and how do you think those lessons will affect how you live once you conclude this trip? It's an excellent question and I could talk about this for hours, but I won't (laughs) try to keep it as brief as possible. This trip has been absolutely transformative for each and every one of us and also for us as a family collectively. It has given us the space to really 
think about how we want to live, how we want our kids to live, how we want to work, and how we want to be in the world, just in general. It's just the kind of perspective that is hard to gain when you're mired in the mainstream and just working all the hours that we are used to working and just the busyness that we're constantly a part of. And so this has been such a gift and it's given us all those things. I know so much more who I am today than I did seven months ago. And I know what I want and I know what we want and I know what our kids what's best for them and how we want to do this going forward really, really mindfully and deliberately. And so we just have such a clearer picture of where we're going moving forward. It's such a relief and it gives you such a sense of peace. We have so many unknowns. We don't even know where we're going at this point. We don't have a final destination and it doesn't matter because we just know that whatever is meant to work out will and you just gain this level of trust because that's what you have to do you have to trust so much that things will work out there's so much out of your control when you're traveling and there's constant readjustments and you need to be flexible that you just learn to go with the flow and i think if we all just learned how to go with the flow a little bit more in our daily lives and in general, I think we'd be happier. And I think that that's what this opportunity has given us is just this level of trust and in turn happiness. I think to Jan's point, just to put a capping point on that, the destination is less important than us being together and, and the journey. The journey, you know, you hear that, it's a little rote, but it's so true. The journey is what this is about. And so where we end up may differ. When you ask, will Australia be our final destination? We think so, <laughs> but we don't know. The beauty of arriving in Australia on the boat is we already have a home, so we can stay on the boat for an interminable period of time. But again, being together and, and having that journey and the experience of the journey has been what this has been all about. When we come back, I talk to the Gamble kids, Jack and Stella, about their experience during their year as nomads. Then I ask the Gambles about the next leg of their trip, sailing the Pacific Ocean. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. My guests are the Gamble family, who spent the past year living on the road in their RV Thelma. We just heard from the parents, Grant and Yana. Now let's find out what the Gamble kids have to say about their experiences. I'm Jack, I'm 16. I'm Stella, my family calls me Ellie, but I'm Stella and I'm 15, recently. What did you guys think when your parents brought up the idea of selling your house and living on the road? It's kind of concerning that I wasn't as surprised as you would normally think, yeah. knowing them. But I was definitely excited. I was looking forward to it because it was a completely new experience, something I'd, I'd never expected to do in my life. For me, it, it wasn't really a surprise at all either. I thought it was a fantastic idea right off the bat, and I was totally ready. Like We agreed pretty much immediately. 
Yeah, and we had been wanting to go back to Australia ever since we were little. So once we kind of brought up the idea of selling the house and moving there before bringing up the RV, mm -hmm. we ran into multiple obstacles. And so we were willing to do whatever it took to go there. And I think just we chose to evaluate all these different options, which was kind of an incredible thing because it gives you all these new opportunities when you're kind of trapped and you have to find new ways to go. Right. The main obstacle really was just time. We had to wait a lot of things out, so we decided let's just make a big trip out of it, right? Yeah. I have to say already, you guys are not your typical or average teenagers because I know that anytime I went on the road with my parents, I would always start off and end with an attitude. <laughs> oh, the middle part was fun, but I'm like, you want me to leave? I'm hanging out with my friends. We want to go to the mall or whatever yeah. the thing was to do. The fact that you guys were open to it also goes to show that you guys grew up traveling and you understood the benefit of being able to see the world no matter what facet that was. Well, Definitely, we did yeah. have our moments, but of course, absolutely. As, all, as all teenagers inevitably do. Yeah, I think all the experience that we were given by our parents to travel and see things gave us a more open mindedness. Yeah, we're so grateful to them for giving us the opportunity. We've been grateful for, to them just for taking us traveling since I, I was born. Even it's all them, really. I love that. What's your favorite thing about your RV Thelma and I know now you guys she's going to see greener pastures but what was your favorite thing? Well for me it had to be the freedom just to go wherever you wanted and do whatever you wanted that's something I've always wanted personally to speak to the license thing I've always wanted to be able to drive myself just have that freedom so that part was really exciting to me. I think my favorite part was just how new it was you know and it was just so interesting because it was just so unexpected and it was fascinating and it was just such an experience that you never think you'd ever witness, you know, and just be a part of too is just great. And it was so eye-opening. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I had a similar upbringing being on the road, except for my parents got their RV after I went to college and you guys are getting to experience <laughs> right yeah. now, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. What have your favorite destinations and experiences been so far? Well, I think as a family, definitely the Baja. We spent a lot of time there and we really enjoyed it. A lot of really great people. Everyone's really nice there. And then for me personally, I think the national parks like Zion, Arches, Glacier, Yellowstone, especially, those were my personal favorites. I really loved going to Yellowstone. Well, I loved the Baja. It was incredible. And I think being able to be there for a long time gave us a new opportunity to like see more because most of the places we we're staying for a week or less mm -hmm. so when we got to stay there for about a month or over a month we got to see so much more but i think my personal favorite destination was yellowstone because um we just saw some incredible wildlife that i'd never seen before and all the other national parks you'd see like one or two things but we saw herds of bison every day we saw a coyote on the first day and we saw a bear jack got some pictures of a bear which was yeah. really cool that is so fun. Yeah. Have you gotten used to the nomad life? or Do you miss being in one place ever? It kind of varies. I guess staying in one place can be nice sometimes. Like uh, in the Baja, we spent three months down there, pretty good extended periods of time. So really, we got a routine and all that. But I think we've also really gotten used to moving around so much. Hopping from one place to another, it doesn't seem that weird anymore. It never really did just because... We traveled so often and so much before, so even just initially when we got in the RV and were in totally different places each week, it didn't seem that crazy. 
just because we were already used to it, you know? I think it would have been a lot different if we didn't have the opportunity that it came with COVID. Not that COVID was a good thing, but we right. made an opportunity out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think I would have felt differently about it if I was in school and we were like, okay, right. we're going to go on an RV, you know? But we would never would have done that if it wasn't for COVID. And so when we were doing mobile learning, it just gave us this opportunity. And it was great because we got to do this trip. Very much so. What are your most and least favorite parts of the nomadic lifestyle? Picking a con is kind of tough. I guess um, the privacy, I guess it's tight quarters, but we really don't have a problem being around each other so much, I guess. And then my favorite part is just seeing new places and meeting new people over and over and seeing how even similar places are to one another just even them being so far away and the people too especially the people vary so much i think one of the cons would definitely be the space thing it's difficult and everyone gets on top of each other and we also had dogs on our travels so it was just always under each other's feet oh and so it was just completely different and i think it took an adjustment period at first when you first get on the bus and see that the two beds are literally touching each other, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, cool, it's going to be fun and cozy and really cool. But then after a while, you're like, can you please get out of my space? You know, <laughs> and especially being a teenager. I mean, yeah. obviously you need that space. But I think one of the great things about that was I think everyone grows in discomfort. So I completely changed as a person at the beginning it was a lot easier because we all had the excitement like the honeymoon phase like this is so cool we haven't done this before but then after a while you're like everyone's in my area you know but then after you get over that hump you get to grow a new appreciation for one another and i think that's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. so a con became a pro you know and we right. just have a new closeness and i think it's wonderful yeah, it definitely brought us together as a family 100 percent. and we've all become more understanding of each other and we can see each other more and not everyone's going to be perfect and happy all the time and having that expectation is just too much pressure on everybody and when we get to see each other's flaws up close it's a beautiful thing because we can find the human in each other and be able to support each other better. At the time of this recording, the Gamble family was in Washington State preparing for the next leg of their trip. They had just sold Thelma, their home for the past year, and purchased a 38-foot catamaran boat which will serve as their new home as they sail across the South Pacific. When they first set out, their plan was to take Thelma all the way up to Alaska. I asked them what spurred their change of plans. We looked at Alaska, so we always planned to get up to Seattle. We're just out of Seattle right now. And we were going to originally drive up. And when we explored that, it was a lot of miles. Canada was closed down. And then we looked at the ferries, so you could ferry the RV up. But it was about $12,000 one way. So it was like a $24,000 round trip for the RV and the Jeep. So we looked at that and went, oh my goodness, you know, it's 24 grand. We thought that we would go to Hawaii was sort of another end point after Alaska. And so we thought, well, maybe we'll jump to Hawaii and taking the RV to Hawaii wasn't practical either. The roads and for a variety of reasons, it's not recommended. And then the boat idea sort of struck us. We'd done a lot of sailing together as a family. Yana and I went on a honeymoon 10 days sailing on a catamaran and I've skipped a lot of boats over the years and love sailing. 
we said, well, what if we transition to a boat instead? So that's sort of how that evolved. And we finally found a boat in Tahiti. And so Jack and I fly out on Saturday to go take ownership of her. And Yana and Ellie join us on the 19th to climb aboard and head across the South Pacific. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you flip a coin for who gets to go and pick up the boat? Or how did that work out? <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the teenagers are concerned, for sure, because I know I would have been fighting over that. Well, we've got some practical things we have to do to the boat. So we bought another 2002 vehicle. So the <laughs> RV was 2002, the boat's 2002. So it needs a little bit of work. So Jack loves crawling into small spaces and getting into stuff that I can't get into and getting his hands dirty. So he was happy about that. And Ellie, I think, was happy to spend some time with Yana in Seattle before coming over. So it all fell into place. To hop in an RV, you need a plan which involves some pit stops and a map and it's a lot more easier to figure out and navigate but a boat a ship yeah please walk us through that yeah so it's an escalation on logistics so the logistics is similar so a lot of the systems on a boat are similar to an rv like on our thelma we had a solar system on the boat we have a solar system and we also have a wind turbine so we've got means to generate electricity which is great but my point being that a lot of the systems, water systems, battery systems, and so forth are very similar. So that's not a big transition. The big transition is more around navigation, equipment, safety equipment. And also obviously there's time or lag between ports. So you've got to think a little more longitudinally about food and water and those sort of things. So one of the things Jack and I are doing is fitting a water maker to the boat so we can convert salt water into fresh water and We've got some additional emergency equipment we're fitting, but it's been a long parade of research and reading a lot of blogs and drawing on experience from almost 40 years of sailing now to get together all the components. But one of the interesting things, Kelly, is we're each taking two bags with a lot of stuff, but also a lot of tools and antennas and different stuff to get into Tahiti. We've got to ship all our stuff by ship to Samoa to meet it there because we couldn't get it into Tahiti in time. So there's a lot of logistics with freight and equipment and tools and so forth. So a lot of things that can go wrong, but it's just been a lot of organization and even insurance, getting insurance on the boat. It's just a lot of things that they're not as straightforward as just dialing up Geico or Progressive because as soon as you start sailing in the blue ocean, like out in the open ocean, everything changes and the number of insurers gets diminished down pretty quickly because you know, there's more risk involved. So the logistics is a lot more complex than that of the RV. I look at it as sort of an expansion of what we experienced on the RV. The RV, we met a family in uh, Las Brillas who they'd sailed first and then got an RV and they said, we should have done it the other way around. The RV is a perfect grounding for moving onto a boat. Instead, we did it the hard way. And so we feel like it sort of panned out pretty nicely. We didn't plan it that way. Obviously, Alaska, Hawaii were the intended destinations, but it's worked out pretty well. I'm going to give you advice that you already know. Since there's going to be a lot of moving components here and valuables are intact, whatever you really need, carry in your carry-on. <laughs> Yes, yes. 
Oh boy. Great advice. I'm just like, if something goes missing, we'll just hope it's uh, the things that are replaceable because that is definitely quite the voyage to say the least, just to get started. Which makes yeah. me wonder, is Australia your final destination or just another leg in your trip? It's our final destination, yeah. We've had one go. Uh, we spent 2008 to 2012 in Australia, and it was a long and hard. It was just poor timing then, so we had to come back. But ultimately, we hope that that becomes our new home. Jack and Stella are excited for their new adventure as well. Honestly, I don't think it's even hit me yet. I'm so excited just to, I don't even have the words for it. I'm ready to be there and ready to get going. I'm really excited for all the photo opportunities I'm going to get. I really just can't wait. It really hasn't hit me yet how it's happening. <laughs> I have to agree. I think everything has been so hectic lately and we've known about the boat for a while, but mm -hmm. we've been packing up. We've packed twice now. We've separated all of our things and we've been living in a hotel for the last couple of days. So it's just been so much going on. It's been so crazy that it's so hard to wrap my head around the fact that we're going to be living on the ocean now um, and goes from wheels to water. And I just think it's going to be great. And I think it's going to be a whole new perspective, which is just wonderful. And I think that's really cool. This has been Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm Kelly Edwards. My guest for this episode was the Gamble family, Grant, Yana, Jack, and Stella. Follow their adventures on Instagram at culture underscore nomads and on their website, culturenomads.travel. Be sure to follow Let's Go Together on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review. Join us next week as we head to wine country when guest host Nina Ruggiero from Travel and Leisure talks with Denise Adams, proprietor of Adamus in Napa and Chateau Fonplegat in saint Emilion, France. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Marvin Yu. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks also to the team at Travel and Leisure, Deanne Krasersky, Nina Ruggiero, and Tanner Saunders. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag, and you can find me at Kelly Set Go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week for more from Let's Go Together.